You are listening to Sean Kelly Interviews, a presentation of Sean Kelly on Movies at www.skonmovies.com. Now, here is your host, Sean Kelly. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Sean Kelly Interviews. Uh, this is my third annual edition, which focuses on the Blood in the Snow Film Festival. So, uh, at the uh, start of the festival this year, I participated in the Bits Media Day and I interviewed uh, six of the filmmakers that are participating in the festival. So, on the uh, feature film front, I talked to Lowell Dean, who directed the opening film Supergrid, uh, Samantha Carley, who both produced and acted in the film Hammer of the Gods, and I also talked to Danishka Esther Hazy, who directed the bit's closing film, Level 16. I also talked to the people who did the uh, web series Damaged, and I also talked to Larissa Thomas, who made the web series Allie and Laura Make a Horror Movie. And finally, I talked to David J. Fernandez about his short film binge so i'm going to just play all these interviews back to back and i uh, will talk to you afterwards okay so um talk a bit about your film uh, my film i'm here with a movie called Supergrid. it's the opening film it's a post-apocalypse action adventure film about two brothers making a dangerous cargo run it's set in the year like 2040 and uh it's a Saskatchewan film and it's uh, openly a prairie film so, um, how did you um, get the idea for Supergrid? Uh, I, I didn't actually. I'm the director, but the uh, the writer. I think I, I'm guessing they love Mad Max and those kinds of films, and uh, you know they wanted to tell a similar feeling story, but uh, with a more Canadian bent and a more prairie bent. So uh, I know that the writer Todd Shawley. Uh, I think I think he's been wanting to make an action film set on the prairies for a while. So, um, how does um, uh, Supergrid kind of differ from your previous? It's a little more serious. Uh, the Wolf Cop movies are very campy and very tongue-in-cheek and, uh, you know, comic book ridiculous. And this movie still has a lot of elements of, you know, heightened reality and uh, absurdity. But it's taken more seriously. It's got a bit more heart and uh, a bit more stakes, I'd say. So, um, what were the um, challenges from making this one? Uh, everything was a challenge. <laughs> it was a very hard film to make. It was, it's very ambitious. It's just a script, uh, you know, if you made this film with $10 million, you wouldn't have enough, and we did it with one. So uh, we shot it in Saskatchewan, where there's not a lot of crew left, and we did it in 17 days. So we had our work cut out for us, but uh, luckily we had a handful of really hardworking ride-or-die crew members, so, uh, and, and a great cast, so we were able to take on the challenge. So can you really talk about the cast for the film, because um, most of the cast that work up here, and then you also have... Um, the rest of the Christians, so could you talk about that? Yeah, it's an interesting mix of like uh, people that we've worked with before. Uh, Leo Fard plays the lead, and his brother is played by Marshall Williams, who's actually most known for Glee, which is kind of a, a hilarious opposite to what he is in this film. And, uh, you know, our villain is Jonathan Cherry, who's known for Goon and Wolf 
Cop, uh, Amy Matisio from the Wolf Cop films is in it. We've got uh, Natalie Grill who's playing uh, Louis Picard's ex-wife. Faye Wren is this badass assassin. And uh, as you mentioned, we've got uh, Jay Rezo, uh, known as Christian. And uh, he was like a later addition, but it's a pretty crucial role. It's a character who you don't know if he's good or bad. And uh, he, he really came in and I had never worked with him. And uh, I'm not a big wrestling fan, so I didn't know everything about him. But um, I could sure tell that the crew knew who he was when he walked on set. He was great. He was uh, just a really strong actor. Everybody was good. Yeah. So, what does it feel having the film play at Blood Snow as the opening film? <laughs> it feels great. I mean, I've never actually been to Blood Snow before, but I've had films play at the Royal, and I love the theater and the energy. And uh, the Blood and the Snow guys are really cool. I've talked to them for the last couple of years about maybe having something happen. So, uh, it feels great to finally be here uh, with, with Superman. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Film you're involved with? Hammer of the Gods. <laughs> uh, could you talk a bit about what the film is about? Sure, yeah. So it's about a rock band. So they're kind of a one-hit wonder, has been at this point in their lives. And they're desperate to find a new sound become relevant again. So they decide to go on a camping trip down the river and into the woods and take a psychedelic drug that's supposed to re-inspire them. But unfortunately, there's a lot more that they can handle with this drug, and it's a price that they're not willing to pay. Uh, so um, what does it feel playing in the festival again? <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. It's it's so great to be part of this festival and see how much it's grown and it's got the film market and it's um, longer now and it's going to be at the Royal. I think it's been at the Royal for a couple of years now. That is the second Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to see Hammer of the Gods play at that venue. So, um, how does Hammer of the Gods differ from Black Mountain Side? Well, um, there's definitely still a lot of similarities. Obviously, it's the same team, same writer-director. Uh, so it's still very psychological, still really makes the audience think. Uh, but I think that Hammer of Gods is a little bit more contemporary, um, a little bit more fast-paced. And uh, also, the sound is a huge difference, whereas Black Mountainside uh, was completely silent, had no score at all. Hammer of the Gods does have a score. It has a very interesting, almost experimental score, too, that really was influenced by tribal sounds. Um, Mark Dolmont really tried a lot of different things out with that, and I think that the end result is something really quite special. So, um, what do you hope um, audiences will take away from the film? Well, I hope that they take away um, something that they can think about. We already have a lot of fan theories about what really the ending means. Uh, so I'd like to hear more of those. That would be fun. That's it. Great. Thanks so much. Level 16, can you tell what it's about? <laughs> Level 16, it's a dystopian thriller about a group of teen girls who are trapped in a very authoritarian boarding school that hides a dark secret. So, um, where did the um, idea for the film come from? Uh, well, I guess it came from the fact that I'm a, I've always been a huge fan of science fiction and dystopian stories, but I hadn't really seen any that were uh, female-driven, that dealt with a, a cast of young women. And so when I graduated from film school at the Canadian Film Center, uh, you know, I made that my goal to write a story that would that would please the science fiction fan, but also kind of shake up how those stories are told. So, um, what were the um, challenges of making these? 
Well, the big challenge is that it took us 10 years to raise the money to, to shoot this film. Uh, when I first wrote it, I was so deeply excited. I thought, oh my god, sci-fi fans are going to love this. Uh, I can't wait to get it made. But uh, although sci-fi fans have really loved it, uh, the people who fund films, the distributors and the broadcasters, it took them a really long time to, to warm up to the story, to warm up to the idea of female-driven science fiction. Uh, so, you know, we got a lot of no's over the years, and uh, because it took so long, I went and made two other feature films. And then, but, you know, I never gave up on this film, and I came back to it, and uh, we were finally greenlit last year, and we shot it uh, here in Toronto and Hamilton. So, um, what does it feel like playing at Blood in the Snow as the um, closing film? Well, it's very flattering. Uh, it's very nice to be a gala film uh, at a festival, to have uh, the programmers be so excited about your film. And it's also really uh, great that, uh, you know, in Toronto we're finding such a warm audience for the film because it looks like we're 90% sold out for tickets already, so I think we're going to have a completely sold out screening. Uh, at the Royal, and uh, that's great. It's a, it's a big theater. It's going to be fun seeing the film with that many people. So, um, what are you um, hoping that audiences take away from Level 16? <laughs> well, first of all, I just hope they're really entertained. I hope that they're you know engaged and frightened and moved, and that uh, and that they uh, are really uh, care about the characters. But I hope that uh, when they leave, they'll also you know be they'll find it thought provoking. There's a you know Level 16 examines how we raise young women and how we educate young people and how education could be a negative force in our lives in terms of um, you know, a, a system that encourages conformity and not free thought. So I hope that there'll be people talking about uh, how we educate uh, young people today. Okay, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is for um, Damage. Yeah, so this is for the web series Damage. Oh, do I talk into the mic? Yeah. Or what do you want? Okay. So, yeah, so this is for the interactive de um, web series Damaged. That was produced by these gentlemen here, Ryan Lessing and John Murray. And I was uh, the director or showrunner on it, on it uh, Richard Broder. And yeah, it's about this uh, kid who is investigating the mystery of a serial killer who's potentially come back to haunt the city of Toronto, some unknown city, I guess. Yeah, and uh, has a digital media component that has people basically the audience trying to figure out clues while engaging in the content itself online. So, um, how did the um, idea for this come uh, this idea was something we have uh, been developing for a while, um, just sort of looking at the dark stories that are often overlooked to be sort of serial killer stories. Um, it's very neo-noir in that there's a, a young innocent who's pulled into the mystery and has to fight his way. Ultimately, the theme of neo-noir is often you're fighting for your innocence, you're trying to prove your innocence to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And those were some of the themes we were working with when we developed it. Much better pitch than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what were your well, we shot over 12 nights, you know, so it was, uh, the challenge was just shooting, um, you know, basically a feature film over 12 nights. That was a bit of a challenge. Uh, the other challenge was the interactive component, making sure the storylines all, all matched up. There's a lot of moving parts in the interactive and making sure that matched up with the story you were telling in the web series itself. Ultimately, we produced a really strong piece of content that we're all really proud of, and so all the challenges were easy to overcome in the end. Okay, um, can you maybe talk a bit more about this interactive component and how it works? Sure. So you can watch the series, uh, and there are clues seen throughout the series. So you can watch the series and gather clues, and you can go online, use those clues to hack into the lead character's computer, and ultimately start solving the murder yourself. So how does it feel to have um, damage play at Blood and Stone? 
I guess you could ask us after Sunday's screening, but so far, so good. Yeah, Excited to be a part of it, obviously, Blown the Snow is a great film festival, well respected across Canada and internationally, so we're really happy. So, um, how, how do you hope audiences will react to Oh, that's a great question. I hope they're, uh, they feed their fans out of fear. No, um, no, well, we hope that they really like the storyline and the characters that we've developed. And we hope that they um, are interested and engaged enough that they want to start solving the mystery on their own, which is why we have this whole interactive component, because the intention is that we're creating more of a lean-forward experience versus a passive sit-back and just watch uh, the experience go by. So we're hoping that people are actually involved throughout the entirety of the process. I'll tell you something, something else about it is that we were quite excited to be filming something in Toronto specifically and showing Toronto in a way that you don't see it very often. It's kind of Toronto overnight and created a really spooky world. Um, just using Toronto's kind of natural assets. We'd like to do more of this. It's, it's, it's kind of a it's film noir meets horror. And, uh, you know, we've had, had quite a lot of fun. We'd like to set other stories in the same world. Okay, that's a good place to end on. Okay, no. <laughs> Hi, I just wanted to pop back in and apologize for the quality of my previous interview for Damage. Uh, all of these interviews have been recorded at the Monarch Tavern in Toronto and there were lots of background noise and I tried my best to um, clean up the interviews and uh, most of them were pretty audible but um, Damage was very hard at times and I actually had to cut out one of the questions and answers because I could barely hear it so um to apologize again for the quality of the previous interviews and now back to your regularly scheduled program okay so um uh, what's on your um uh, Ali and Lara make a horror movie the web series <laughs> so um what's the web series about uh, it's about two female horror screenwriters who decide to make their own film to, uh, you know, to break down the walls of the patriarchy. But then it kind of turns into like a, a hot disaster for them as they turn on each other and their lives become a horror movie. I think that's sort of what our show is. <laughs> so, well, how did the idea for this come about? Um, yeah, Alicia came up with the idea and we just thought it would be like a fun thing to do. Um, Make a, to make a web series about two female filmmakers that we, neither of us had experience doing that before so we were just making stuff up and then Gabs yeah, we were making it was like oh this is actually our lives now and we're in hell so, <laughs> so um, what were the um, challenges with making this series? Oh my god everything yeah it was challenges begin a lot of people dropped off our projects so <laughs> In, in, in the last like six to one week <laughs> before we went to production, so that was a bit of a scramble. Um, the, the actual shooting itself wasn't that that bad, but we had definitely overstuffed our days with uh, shooting because we didn't know what we were doing. People were like, you can't shoot more than five pages a day or whatever, and some days we have really like, 12 pages or something, so it was pretty crazy. Big challenge was, yeah, the money. Our actresses were awesome. Uh, I think most of the challenges were related to us not being able to pay people and then us having to take on roles that we didn't know the hell we were doing, and then making our four friends volunteer. Some of the stuff is a little bit of a hot mess, but yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, what does feel having the series play uh, Blood Meets Snow? 
It feels great. We never thought we'd play a festival or anything, so this is like a wonderful cherry on top, like of making a web series. Like, yeah, we didn't even think to to do it, and then and then Kirk was like, "Oh, we have like web series slate. You guys should apply." And I was like, "Yeah, that's a really good idea. We will." So I'm really excited. I've never, I've only been to a film festival, film festival as a fan before, so this is an exciting experience for me. I just feel like a celebrity. <laughs> So, um, what do you hope audiences will take away from you? That if you have a dream to make something, you can make that something. And uh, um, maybe from the show, I guess even that from the show, but also uh, don't be an asshole to your collaborators. That's sort of part of what our message is, even though we were assholes to each other on our own show. So. <laughs> yeah, that's enough to end on. Okay, thanks. Thank you, John. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we did the short film Binge. Yeah. Okay, so can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, so Binge is about a woman who gets a knock at her door that she's not expecting, and there's an envelope lying on the ground with a smiley face on it, and doesn't know who it came from. Uh, she opens it up, and among the contents is a USB key that has, uh, you know, this strange video on it that has some coordinates. And when she types in the coordinates, it kind of—it's it, a place that's not too far from her house, and it ends up sending her on this hunt to discover what this whole thing is about. So, um, how did you um, get the idea for this job? Um, I, I had sort of a basic idea of somebody like receiving a, an odd package in their mail that they weren't expecting, and that sending them on a on a hunt like many years ago, and I worked it into part of a feature uh, that I never ended up uh, doing anything with. So I, I like the idea of it, I like the simplicity of it, and how it kind of piques your curiosity of what is this all about. Um, so I wanted to do something with that, but then as I was kind of researching stuff online, I found this um, this, uh, this video that came out a couple of years ago uh, as a result of a woman in Poland finding a USB key on a park bench. And on that video, was um, this kind of oddly filmed guy in a plague doctor mask giving out these like oh I know that video yeah these strange symbols you know and it was very mysterious and, and all these and people came up with all these explanations for what it was that it was a death threat against the Obama White House and there were like hidden messages in the uh, in the audio track like if you put it through a spectra analyzer you could see numbers in the audio waveform uh, so I, I thought it was just cool so I kind of combined the two ideas together so that um, the package that this, that this woman uh, receives has a USB key on it with a with a strange uh, character uh, in a mask who who kind of um, you know, does some gestures, and then there's there's uh, there's coordinates at the end of it, and those coordinates are what kind of lead her to the next and the next and the next thing. Um, so I was trying to do something just for myself that was sort of an exercise in suspense filmmaking, using kind of classical kind of suspense filmmaking methods, like Hitchcockian kind of stuff, of reversing points of view and that kind of thing. So it was really just like something for me that I wanted to to kind of experiment with, because I love mystery, I love suspense, and, and I I love psychological horror, you know, so, uh, so it was kind of, that, that's really the reason I did it, so that's where the ideas came from. So, what were your um, challenges with making this film? Yes, well, indie filmmaking in general is a challenge, but this was particularly challenging because we shot it in June, which are among the longest days of the year, and everything in the script takes place at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we, we couldn't even start filming till 10 o'clock. Uh, and then we rented these large uh, block batteries from a, a really like high-end and well-known production uh, like film, uh, lighting grip company here in, in Toronto. 
uh, and they gave us the batteries. Um, only one of them was fully charged. The other ones were kind of like in varying degrees of, of half and quarter chargedness. We didn't notice until we the lights started turning off in the middle of the film. Uh, so we so we had to hook up a, a little kind of like Canadian Tire sort of generator that I bought as a as a backup backup. Uh, and of course that started failing, and we couldn't do any sync sound for the, for the a lot of the exterior stuff. So all of it had to be rebuilt. So uh, it's the typical kind of stuff. You, you think if everything goes as planned, we should be done at one in the morning. But of course it's like 5:30 and the sun's starting to come up, and we're trying to shoot a night scene. So that that was what's going on. So um, how does it feel having the film playing Blood and Snow? Oh, this is great. Yeah, I'm really happy that this is a world premiere. I'm, I'm happy it's a local festival. I'm happy that it's a, it's a smaller horror festival because, like, uh, I think you get more exposure, you get more attention. Um, I had a, a short at uh, that opened for the Human Centipede uh, Toronto premiere in 2010 at the Bloor at, at After Dark, and that was, like, 800 people. <laughs> so, uh, so I just, like... Um, yeah, I, I think it's a great festival. I'm really happy to be here. And, uh, you know, looking, looking, and already I've already met some, some really interesting people that, uh, you know, like I think at a bigger festival you just don't have that the sort of um, uh, the intimacy or something like this. So uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, all right, thanks, man. And those are my interviews for the 2018 Blood in the Snow Film Festival. Um, as of today, this is the uh, final day of the festival, and the um, only screening left is the closing film, uh, Level 16, uh, which is indeed sold out. And um, you can check the uh, show notes for this episode, and I'll include links to both the web series Damaged and Ali and Laura Make a Horror Movie. And um, that's it for for this episode you can uh, read my reviews for all these films on the site and i will see you next time sean kelly interviews is a production of sean kelly on movies and is hosted by sean kelly the music is out of the fog from the website podsummit.com you can support sean kelly and get bonus podcasts at patreon.com slash sk on movies and you can read Sean Kelly's writing at www.skonmovies.com.